I want to talk to you this morning about living a regret-free life. I'll bet if I asked you, if I kind of had a show of hands, how many of you have things in your life that you regret, everybody's hand would go up, right? We've all done things, we've all purchased things, we've all said things that we later regret. Everybody. I, I, I can look back in my own life and I can tell you, okay, I can name the years, I can name the months, I can name exactly what they are and what category they fit under, things that I've done or said that I regret. And we're going to kick off a new series this morning called uh, Living Regret-Free. Can you actually live a life with no regrets? I mean, when you think back on your life and you think, man, gosh, that'd have been two marriages that I wouldn't have had to have endured, right? Whatever it is. Can you live regret-free? I would submit to you this morning and in the next few weeks, yes, you can. You can make decisions that later on you do not regret. Because we've all been there and we've all done things that we wish we hadn't done, said things we wish we hadn't said, purchased things, signed our name at the bottom line, and yo, yay. And, and we knew at the time maybe, well, it just feels right. Right? Follow your heart. See, our culture has a flow. Every culture has a flow. It has a movement. And we need to decide, do we want to just kind of sit back and relax and allow culture to carry us along, or do we want to maybe think there might be something different than what the culture has for us? Because if you're like me, you've made these decisions, and then you're watching someone about to make the same decision, and you, it's so obvious to you that they shouldn't do what they're about to do. Right? I mean, don't you have people in your life where you're like, Oh my gosh, what are they doing? It's so obvious to you. And you try to explain it to them and you get answers like, it just feels right. But she's so hot, right? But it's 0% financing. How could that be wrong? There's only two left. It's blue, right? Because what, what, is, what does the tide of culture have us do? Follow your heart. When I became a pastor, uh, carry the four, four years ago, uh, when I, I was in business for 16 years in the same company, dealing with the same clients and a lot of the same people, we, all of us kind of stayed in that company for a long time. And so God had called me to ministry 10 years prior to that. And, and so we were just, Lisa and I were just waiting for where we were going to land. And, and so when it came, I had to call like these clients and stuff I've been working with for 16 years and tell them I'm going to become a pastor. And it's very frightening, not because I was afraid of becoming a pastor, but I was just so afraid that on the other end, they're like, really, you? You know, like, <laughs> like it was my life. Did I really live that horrible a life that, you know, I really pegged you for like, a serial killer or a, you know, a lawyer, you know, because they're together. Okay, sorry. All right. All right. So I, I really pay, you know, but, but here's, what the, here's what everybody said to me. You know what? You just have to follow your heart. I'm like, follow my, if I follow my heart, I'd just stay here, <laughs> right? 
This is not just following my heart. This is a calling. This is a a deep-seated, this is something that God had been doing for years. But that was the answer. Just follow your heart. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't follow your heart. That's what culture says, is go follow your heart. And people would say to me on the phone, you know what, if I, could, if I had the guts to follow my heart, I'd be a painter. You know, I'd be, you know, I would leave this company and start a vineyard in Napa, you know. It's like, <laughs> don't, your heart gets you in all sorts of sticky situations, doesn't it? I mean, your heart is the thing that says, oh, it has granite countertops, it's exactly what we wanted. I know it's a little bit outside our means, but we can do it. And you, you know, your husband's looking, okay, honey, whatever. I don't care. Even if we, we'll, I'll get a second job. We'll make it work. I love you. I love you. Yeah. And now you got it. 4500 bucks a month. Congratulations. That's what our heart does. Our heart says, oh, all my life I've wanted X and it's finally here. And then our heart gets us into other things that we do. We, 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 we get ourselves into situations following our heart of things we know are wrong, but oh man, I know my son's 35 and he still lives at home, but if you just knew his past, it's so sad. And that woman, that woman did this to him, right? Or you rescue your kids again and again in the homework, you know, because boy, if they don't get this good grade and so you do their report for them, all this kind of stuff. When you follow your heart, you get into trouble, You know, your heart says, oh, he bought dinner in a movie. I should do something. Wow. Dinner in a movie. (laughs) Chivalry's not dead. What a giver. 65 bucks? Man, what a great guy. You should do something. Your heart gets you into all sorts of things. Some of you are like, oh, gosh, that was uncomfortable. Good. (laughs) It's only going to get worse, okay? Right? That's what our heart gets us into. Jeremiah, there's a great verse in Jeremiah. He was a prophet. It's in uh, chapter 17, verse 9. And this is so important for us to see because it speaks directly to what I want to talk about this morning. What I'm going to talk about this morning is you being able to ask yourself one question when you make decisions that's going to change the way you live, change the way you make decisions. It's one question that'll cut through all the garbage, all the nonsense, all the way your heart tries to trick you and deceive you and you really wanted it and, you know, all this kind of stuff, how far is too far and all this kind of stuff. This question cuts through all of that because here's what Jeremiah says we know about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And if you look back over sometimes whole chapters of your life that are filled with regret, I'll bet you, you can go back to a time where it was your heart. It just felt right, or it just, oh, I feel so bad. I lent them the money because, oh, if you just knew their story or whatever. You can go back to your heart and find that it was the culprit. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? So what do we do? Well, we ask ourselves a question. And Andy Stanley calls it the best question ever. He's got a church of 10,000 people. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's called what I like to call life's most important question. And you can answer, a- ask it for every decision you're going to make. And see, it's found in Ephesians. 
chapter 5. And I, I challenge you this week, as you go into work, as you go into, to ask yourself this question. It's the most important question of your life in every single situation. Let me give you a quick overview of Ephesians. We actually went through the whole book of Ephesians about um, a year ago, I think. And, uh, and basically, there's a, there's a city called Ephesus. You could visit it today. They've, they've, they've kind of gotten the ruin. They've picked through all the ruins, and you can go visit it. And it was a thriving city. It was a great city, and it had a current of culture just like we do. It had a current of culture, and it, 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 surra- it, was, surrounded, it was centered around two god, a god and a goddess. And they worshiped this god and this goddess. And part of their, their um, uh, spirituality, part of their um, uh, kind of religious uh, practices were, was temple prostitution. I told you it was going to get worse, right? Temple prostitution. If, I mean, you know, fortunately, we don't, you want to grow a church, I suppose you could probably do that. We don't do that today. Seems kind of weird. But we got all sorts of stuff in our current, right? They have, they had temple prostitution. And what happened was, Paul went to the city and he planted a church. And he had such a big impact, as a matter of fact, that he actually, that church affected the economy of that city. You can read it in Acts, where people started coming to Christ. They started realizing, I don't like the current of this culture. I don't like where it's taking me. And Paul showed them that Jesus was the answer to put your feet down and go, wait a minute. As the culture comes rushing by to rethink and go, man, is this really the way I want to live my life? And so Paul comes in and he has such a big impact that the, 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 these um, guys would make these idols. Their business started going down and they dro- tried to drive Paul out of town because he was affecting their business. So now Paul's writing them a letter saying, look, I need to tell you some things. You're trying to live a life outside of the culture, above the culture, outside of the flow of the culture. You're trying to live this life and I want to give you some things that are going to help you. And so what he does, and you can look at this, uh, I'm, I'm going to go over just a little bit this morning, but you can look at it um, this week as you're going through studying the scriptures on your own this week, okay? So you're not just waiting for me next week, right? As you're going through the scriptures, you might want to just kind of go through the chapters just before chapter 5, because what Paul does is he gives this long old list of stuff. Uh, let me see, um, he says... Uh, he goes through all these things about Christ and about coming to Christ and all this kind of stuff. And then in verse 17 of, of chapter 4, he says, So I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Don't get carried away in the flow. Don't let culture carry you along. I insist on this. And then he gives just a whole long list of stuff. Don't be darkened in your understanding. Um, he says you were... Um, uh, you need to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and put on the new self. Then he goes through a whole long list. Don't speak falsehood. Don't be angry uh, and sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Um, he goes on, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. Uh, be kind and compassionate. I mean, it's a, it's a long, I've told you it was a long list, right? Then he says, be imitators of God. Then he says, but among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity, no coarse joking, no obscenity, foolish talk. Whew. Long old list. If you want to live outside the culture, if you don't want it to take you in the flow, here's a whole long list of stuff. And we love lists, don't we? Because we can just look at the list and go, didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. Okay, excellent, I'm good. 
But here's what Paul knows and here's what the Spirit of God knows and please don't miss this. Most of our decisions don't come from the list. Do I put my kid in this soccer thing? Do I take this job? Do I? It ain't on the list. And so how do we, with all these decisions we have to make and all these chances for regret, how do we go beyond that and make decisions? And so Paul gets to chapter 5, starting in verse 15, and he says this is very important. If I can find it in my Bible. Ah, here we go. It says this. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful. Watch out. Look out. Be on the lookout for how you live. It's vitally important. If you don't want to get carried away in the culture, be very careful. Look out. And then he goes on. He says, not as unwise. And here's the kicker. This is the new standard. But as wise that church is your standard for this week that's your standard for every decision you make here's the question you need to ask yourself i need to ask myself for everything what is the wise thing to do what is the wise thing to do Not, what did everybody else do? What did my neighbor do? What did they watch? What did they read? What did they spend their money on? What did they buy? Where are they going? What do they do in their marriage? No, you throw all that out. You throw out, is it my favorite color? All that kind of stuff. What's the legal limit? All these things. And you ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? That's the new standard. Because Paul knows through the Spirit of God that, yeah, there's a whole bunch of lists in here, but there's going to be something else that happens. Another decision you have to make. Little tiny decisions. And you've got to ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? Okay? Then it goes on. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every... What does that mean? This is the beautiful thing of what this means. Did you know that every opportunity has a most? Every decision you make has a most. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, every decision you make has eternal value attached to it. You say, really? Really? Every little tiny decision has an eternal value. And there's a wise way and there's a foolish way. There's the least and there's the most. And so it it takes you into the idea of when you're driving to work and there's tons of traffic and you reach for the radio, what is the wise thing to do? And again, I'm going to say this once because I, I, as I was going over this sermon, I I'm going to be bringing in a lot of examples that probably apply to some of you. Just forgive me. I'm not trying to make a point, even though it'll sound like I'm trying to make a point, because these are all gray areas, okay? But I just want to cover a broad spectrum of of situations so that if the Spirit of God is talking to you, it might resonate with you, okay? But I'm not... I'll do my best, but I'm just apologizing now. I don't know, I don't, I'm not thinking about any of you when I say this. So you're like, that's a conversation we had last week. Probably, but I don't remember. So there we go, all right? So that's, that's that. So you're driving, <laughs> you're driving to work, 
And it comes time to turn on the radio. What is the wise thing to do? How do you make the most of that opportunity? Your boss comes, slams a bunch of stuff. I want it done by tomorrow. How do you make the most of that opportunity? Your wife comes in and you didn't hang up what you were supposed to hang up and do what you were supposed to do. What's the wise thing to do? How do you make the most of that opportunity? Because see, here's what I know about us. We will trick ourselves. Have you ever wanted to make a decision and you kind of know you're on shaky ground logically, but you really want to make the decision? So you talk to your friends and you give them just the facts that you kind of want to know. And if you've got good friends, they're like, dude, you're blowing smoke right now. And they start questioning you and you start feeling uncomfortable because I'll give you a perfect example. I love my wife very much. Uh, She's a fabulous woman. But what she'll do to me sometimes, and I'll do the same to her, uh, she'll come home from shopping and I will ask her a simple question. She'll say, look at this blouse. Oh, it's a beautiful blouse. You look amazing in it. You always look amazing. It's fantastic. Here's the question. How much did it cost? Huh? That's all I want to know. I'm not judging her. I'm not going to, you know, rip money out of her wallet and lock her up in a room and tell her, you know, take away her credit card. How much did it cost? She answers me dead in the eye, looks at me straight in the eye, and she answers that question. She says, it was 30% off. (laughs) Huh. Well, there you have it. It was 30. That answer. No further questions, Your Honor. I mean, this is it. I got the case closed. Checkmate. She's got me. 30% off. I asked, how much did it cost? It cost 30% of what it was marked before. There you go. And, we, and then we do the same thing with video games or tools or whatever. I'm just, I'm just making fun of my wife because she's not here, right? <laughs> N- next service, it's going to be, I came home from Home Depot, right? Okay? So we, we ask ourselves this question because we can fool ourselves, right? We do it all the time. And what Paul's saying is, stop it. Stop. Don't do it anymore. There's a new standard. Not as unwise. Not to get the most of what you want. What is the wise thing to do? Every opportunity has a most. When you go shopping, there, you can make the most of that opportunity. And you ladies are like, I do every time I go. I come home with two bags when really it should have only cost me one bag, right? No. You know what it is. And so this, cu- this question, what is the wise thing to do, cuts through all that. And then he goes on and he says in verse 17, Therefore, do not be foolish. See, Paul's talking about two things. It's not just wise and middle of the road. It's not just what's the wise thing to do and just what's the, oh, well. What's the wise thing to do and what's the foolish thing to do? Don't trick yourself is what Paul's saying. Open your eyes. Stop trying to hide it. What is the wise thing to do is what Paul's asking. Then he says something really trippy, right? He says this. He goes, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, how do you command somebody to understand something? I mean, imagine if I walked into a graduate school and it's a physics class, you know, everyone's getting their PhD and there's all that. You ever seen, you ever see like goodwill hunting or whatever it is, like some equation and you realize you'll never in your whole life ever even know what half those symbols are. So you walk in and there it is. And there's like a cauldron with bubbling stuff over there and there's tubes and all this kind of stuff. And you walk in and you go, man, 
this is beyond me. And the professor looks up and goes, just understand it. And you go, wow. Oh, I'm, thanks, prof. I, I, thanks, doctor. I appreciate that. I do understand it now. Thank you for commanding me. To, 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 it doesn't make any sense. What is Paul saying here? But understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's what he's saying. Would you for once, would you for once, when you make a decision, just face up to the fact that God might have something to say about it? Would you for once, when you go shopping and you're just about ready to put that credit card down, would you for once just face up to the fact that God might actually have something to say about that purchase? When you go out on that date, the guy calls up and he's so cute, he's a captain of the football team, blink, blah, blah, whatever. Would you for once just think to yourself, you know, maybe God has something to say about this relationship? When you go home and you get home and your wife is doing whatever or you're doing whatever and you enter into a conversation, would you for once maybe face up to the fact, admit to the fact that maybe God has something for you to say that's different than what you've always said? That's what understand what the will of the Lord is because here's what I know about us, guys. Most of the time, if you have the courage to ask yourself what is the wise thing to do, most of the time, you already know the answer. If you're like me, you already know what he's trying to say. And so what Paul's saying is, look, you're in this culture. It has a flow. It has a tide. If, if, you, just, if you just relax and let yourself go, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. And so you have to be very, very careful in all your decisions because even the littlest one has eternal value. And would you for once do the wise thing, not the foolish thing, and just admit that maybe God has something to say about this. And what I want to do is I want to look at a filter that we can use this week as we ask ourselves. And believe me, I've never felt, I'm going to promise you, I'm going to promise you that if you do this this week because it's the Spirit of God, If you do it this week, you are going to grow closer in your relationship with God because you are going to allow him into areas of your life that maybe you've never allowed him before. And guess what? He's going to have something to say about it. And maybe you're saying, you know what, John? There's a couple areas in my life I don't really want him there. I don't really want to hear what he has to say. And you know what? For you, you just learned something about yourself this morning and you've got to figure out this week why don't i want to hear from god what is it about this issue that's so important to me that i would sacrifice a relationship with the creator of the universe that created me that designed me a certain way why would i not want to check in with him to see is this the wise thing to do and this week you'll have to go home because this, what's the wise thing to do is not going to leave your mind this week. There's going to come a time when you're going to be jamming along and you're about ready to say something, you're about ready to post something, you're about ready to download something, turn something on, Twitter something, and all of a sudden in your mind, what is the wise thing to do? And you're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to hear from God right now? This is what Paul is telling that church of Ephesus. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's the filter that we're going to use this week. In light of who I was, in light of who I am, 
And in light of who I want to be, what is the wise thing to do? That's the question. In light of who I was, in light of who I am, and in light of who I want to be, what's the wise thing to do? In light of who I was, what happened the last time I made this decision? What happened the last time I went on a date? What happened the last time they, it, was a, it was a deal that was too good to be true? What happened the last time it was 0% financing? What happened the last time I didn't consult my wife and I just went out and got it? In light of who I was, in light of the last time I went out on a business meeting and they all wanted to go out afterwards, what happened? In light of my past, when I went to a party, how did I respond? How did it go before? In light of my past, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my present, where I am now, am I swimming in debt? Am I swimming in debt? Well, you, you just answered a whole bunch of your questions for you, didn't you? What's the wise thing to do? In light of where you are in your marriage right now, what's the wise thing to do? Now, listen, I'm going to just list some things that may apply to you or may not. And, and, and it doesn't matter because these are gray areas. For some of you, it's absolutely fine that your friend comes home after work and has a beer. No big deal. But for you right now, no. It is not the wise thing to do in light of your past, in light of your present, in light of who you want to be. For some of you, stay-at-home moms or working moms, in light of where you are right now, some of you should quit your job and go, work and go home in light of where you are right now. Some of you should leave home and go get a job. Okay? You see what I'm saying? But these are the questions we need to begin to ask ourselves in light of who I was, who I am, and who I want to be. Who you want to be. It's a great question. Students, sorry, I hate to do this to you. Listen, you want to get married someday? You have just answered how far is too far for you. Again, I told you it's going to be uncomfortable. Oh, by the way, if you want to get really uncomfortable, in two weeks I'm talking about sex, it's going to be awesome, okay? And you guys will be squirming around about, can he really say that? This is, you know, trust me, it's going to change your life. It's going to be awesome, okay? But listen, in light of who you want to be, you've answered your question. I, I, want, a, I want a marriage, I want a strong, healthy marriage. Then guess what? No sexy, Okay? You've answered that question. You say, oh, how far is too far? I don't know for you, but I'll tell you what we did. See, this is part of the problem. Lisa and my wife and I, we started dating in high school. And so we get used a lot as an example of, well, it worked for them, which I hate. I hate when you use someone as an example, but it worked for them. Listen, I know that lady that just died, 115 years old, you guys see that? She lived on like bacon and fried chicken. Well, it worked for her. Okay, <laughs> you know, and oh, well, you know, case closed. I can't argue with that logic, okay? Yeah, it happened to work for her. She was a well-oiled machine with all the grease going. I don't know how her body worked, right? But so what happened with Lisa and I was we, we got, we, we started dating in high school. And um, uh, early on, I was like, man, this is like, she's amazing. So <clears throat> we got together after about two months of dating She'll have all the real facts down. I, this is just my recollection. She's like, it was after seven and a half weeks, okay? Okay, sorry, seven and a half weeks, okay? I got, okay? So 
But we got together, and I had this, I had this, uh, this uh, what do you call it? Not graph, but like a line. And, and at the one end was sex, okay? And then at the other end, because there's a, there's a progression, you know. I don't know if you understand this, but when you get into school, you learn this kind of stuff. But there's a progression. Like you start off with, you know, hi, what's your sign? And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, and then there's sex over here, right? So we got together, and I knew this relationship was going to be important. It was, it, was, it was really, she was really, like, I didn't know how I was pulling it off, but it was working. And I'm like, don't blow it. And she was a good girl. So I said, okay, we're going to take this thing, and I'm going to start ripping, and we're going to end up, and we're going we're gonna to pick a spot, we're going to answer the question for us, how far is too far? So, of course, I start with sex, you know. Yeah, of course not, you know, but, you know. And I'm going down the thing, and she's like, uh-huh, 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 keep going. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I get to a certain spot, and I'm like. <laughs> and she's like, keep, I'm like, I know, I was, of course I was ripping it. It's stuck. I don't, I don't, oh, did you think I was, oh, that just, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what this word means. I, I was going to rip it, but I was looking at it like, what is that? I don't know. I'm coming back here. So we just kept going back and back and back. And so, and so finally, at the end, you know, I'm looking at this little, this little stub. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, I guess. But all my friends, but culture, but I saw in a movie... But when I turn on the television, but when I hear from these people, but so-and-so's gone this far, and they didn't go all the way, but, but, doesn't matter. You know what that stub was? That stub was the wise thing to do. That was the wise thing to do, and you can thank my wife for it, because my, my, mine would have been a little longer, okay? But listen, we dated six years and through college, we were, we were big boy and girl, right? No sex. We didn't have sex. We made it six years. It's possible. Believe it or not, it's possible. It was the wise thing to do. It didn't matter. Why? Because of my future, because of what I wanted. So let's say Lisa wasn't it because she broke up with me because she did like six or eight times. Time for a different sermon, but uh, on depression, Okay, because I know what it's like. Okay, so if it didn't work out with Lisa, I would have to look at my future wife and say, yeah, well, about that, um, there, were, there was this one girl, but we were really serious and we were really in love. Oh, there were these, yeah, so it was just three people. That's it. And I have to risk what I might really want. You have to ask yourself, in light of who you've been, in light of who you are, in light of who you want to be, who, how God has designed you, what is the wise thing to do? I joke with our leaders. A lot of our leaders here have tattoos. I personally don't because I, I don't like pain, okay? So I don't, once I found out it hurt and you couldn't get rid of them, I was like, okay, I'm done with the tattoos. So I, I already prepped them that I was going to say this, okay? Because they, they know I love them, and I don't judge people with tattoos. But listen, youth, you've got to seriously figure out, in light of who you've been, who you are, and who you want to be, should you get that tattoo? Because I'm telling you one thing. If my doctor shows up, and he's got a little tattoo of a teardrop on his eye, <laughs> no. You know? If my lawyer... You know, 
has got like a big spider web on his neck, I'm getting a different lawyer, okay? And so a lot of times what happens is as a, a, we're so focused on who we are and we think, wow, you know, my life experience, everything sounds pretty cool. We don't think of who we want to be and maybe through college or through a career or whatever, the things that were really important to you now will not be important to you later. So that thing of SpongeBob you got on your chest might be great, but if you go for the Teletubbies later on, there's no way to change it, right? <laughs> it's stuck. You're SpongeBob all the way for the rest of your life. Now, I'm joking, I'm joking. But listen, this is why I said, some of you might find this offensive, you think I'm against tattoos. I really don't care. My point is, for you and for me, this week, in light of who we were, in light of who we are, and in light of who we want to be, Paul says this, he pleads with us. First of all, I love in chapter four, let's see, yeah, he says this, chapter four, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. You circle that in your Bible, you underlined it, write it down on your notes. Ephesians 4, 17. I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord. He's begging them, please do not lift up your feet and let culture carry you along. Because here's the thing, if you do finances the way culture wants you to do finances, you can see it right now. You're going to be in trouble. If you do relationships the way culture says to do relationships, you are going to be in trouble. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about what it's like to do relationships the way the tide and flow of our culture is telling us to do relationships. If you do investments the way culture tells you to do investments, if you do your business the way culture tells you to do your business, you are going to end up in trouble. So you have got to figure out, how am I going to spend my time? How am I going to use my talents? And how am I going to use my resources? And it, it gets into all sorts of stuff. It invades your life. It starts asking you questions of, should my kids be in sports? Like, what? In light of my past, in light of my present, in light of who I want to be. It starts answering questions like, do we really want to buy a house? Do we really want to lease? Do we really need two car payments? Do we really need this? Do we really need that? It starts invading everything. And here's what I promise you. As you begin to struggle with this question this week, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Almighty God is going to wrestle with you. He's going to be right there next to you going, I don't know, do you really need two car payments? Let's talk about that. See, God, Almighty God, wants to have a relationship with you that goes into your life. We talked about last week, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's everything. That's all your purchases all your soul, the very core of who you are, all your mind, all your strength, everything. He wants everything. He wants you bringing it all to him. And as you wrestle with this question, what is the wise thing to do? He will wrestle with you. And he'll say, well, that's great. Let's figure it out for you. And maybe for you, having that beer after work is not the wise thing to do. Maybe for you, it's fine. Because here's the thing I know about us. We don't plan to fail. <laughs> we don't plan to fail our lives. I don't, I've never met a little seven-year-old girl and I say, hey, little Christy, what do you want to do when you get older? Oh, I want to have a baby by the time I'm 17 and have the guy leave and live with my parents. Wow. Fantastic. Right? Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? What do you want to do? I want to go through two terrible marriages and lose everything and then try for a third awesome, Jimmy. Go for it. 
You know, oh, I want to be completely bankrupt. Yay. Oh, good job. We don't plan these things. But here's the thing. We don't plan not to do it. Do you have a plan not to have a divorce? I would love to see your plan not to have a divorce. Well, things are going great. I'm sure they are. But that's the problem. It's always going great until it goes bad. And we don't ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? Where are your boundaries? Which we're going to be talking about in a a couple weeks. How are you planning not to be an alcoholic? Well, I'm I'm not doing anything. I mean, everything's fine. I'm doing fine. You better have a plan. Because every alcoholic I've ever met didn't have a plan. It just, it just happened. What's your plan to not have an affair? What's your plan to date the right person? What's the list of who this man or woman is going to be? What's your plan? What is the wise thing to do? 